Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the Helmet. I am Chad Parsons, and I wanted to start off this week's show. Yes, it's NFL Combine week, but a lot of that is much later in the week. It's going to be Friday, Saturday, until we get some real information and data, drills, athletic testing, all of that good stuff from the skill position. So we got some time to go. I do have a couple Combine thoughts later on in the show. But what I wanted to start out with, and honestly, some I should have been doing earlier because I think there's some a little bit of mystique around the UTH trade calculator, and I thought it would be instructive, at least for the time being, to do a UTH trade calculator trade of the week. And this could be something submitted by a listener uh, if you want to submit one uh, for analysis in that regard. Hopefully, it's something in the past you know few weeks uh, here in the off season. But uh, you can submit that at admin at uthdynasty.com, or if you just want to reach out on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL, you can do that as well. But I wanted to go over a few things because there's beyond the just looking at it and which way is the bar going. Uh, it's a color bar on, on which side uh, is the plus minus. There's also some nuances that I wanted to go over and different ways to view these trades that will help clarify and demystify some of that. And I, I typed it out. There's some different sections on instructions on the trade calculator page, but I encourage you if you're a trade if you're a subscriber at UTH and you haven't tried out the trade calculator, it's a great time to do so. If you sign up as a general manager plus subscriber, you get a free preview. Uh, if you renew, you're going to get a free preview. And usually I give you at least a couple days, you know, if you want to go kick the tires, if you sign up for assistant coach, uh, which does not include uh, uh, premium podcast access. So I'd highly encourage the G- GM plus. And, and so I want to go over, there's a number of different formats on there. Um, one of them that I'm going to go over today is the common safe leagues format. So that is super flex and it is two PPR for tight end. So this deal that I'm going to go over is uh, in this type of format, and it looks at, uh, we have Debo Samuel and Javante Williams on one side being traded for Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. And I specifically picked this trade because I wanted to highlight two or three different aspects of looking at a deal like this. So the first avenue is you can look at raw value. Now, this one's relatively close. It's 11%. The the difference is 11% total. Um, and the interesting part, though, is the, the 11% advantage in raw value is on the Debo Samuel and Javante Williams side. Now, here is where this matters. So I've had before people say, well, you know, I'm going to take the side that has the, the higher value here. So if you had Debo and Javante Williams, you would say, well, I'm not going to make this deal if it was offered to me. Uh, or you can say, well, if I have it, you know, if I have the Kyle Pitts side, I'm going to send that now for the Debo Samuels, Javante Williams side. However, there's more nuance than just the plus minus. And one huge aspect of the trade calculator, and this is from using it myself for years on end, uh, various tweaks, and just seeing real life experience of using it in, in leagues on how to approach deals like this, that the first thing you need to look at is where is there a best player or best asset in the deal? And this can be something where you just look at it from a very broad perspective, a very generalized perspective, whether it's you, the market, who do you 
you know, you capitalized or, you know, you generalized, uh, consider the best player or asset in this deal. Well, I would consider it Kyle Pitts. And one of the big reasons is, is that the premium positions are in, in Superflex and two PPR for tight end, it's quarterback and it's tight end. Well, we don't have any quarterbacks and the only non running back wide receiver we have is Kyle Pitts at tight end. And Kyle Pitts actually has a higher value in this format and in the trade calculator for neutral settings over Debo Samuel. So you can go by the number, uh, which is Kyle Pitts has the advantage there over Debo. And you can also go by just who who is the spicier name at the spicier position. And it's pretty obvious, you know, all those tests return Kyle Pitts. So if we go into this deal looking at it and say, Kyle Pitts is the best player or asset in the deal. Now we have to turn on and again, this happens in almost every deal that there's a best player or asset in the deal. It's not truly even, you know, where you're flipping from one one position to another that, you know, running back to wide receiver and then you you not, don't really have any sort of inkling your your own self or in the market of saying, eh, both of them are really, really close and tight and there's not really a best player or asset in the deal. That's very rare. So this first overarching point applies to 18 out of 20 or 19 out of 20 trades. What is the best player asset in the deal? So it's Kyle Pitts. And so even though the advantage is slightly in the direction of Debo Samuel, that Kyle Pitts side with Calvin Ridley is the side with the best player or asset. And because of that, if you are buying that side, you would like to buy for less than about 15, 20% over equal value. Right now in the trade calculator, it's 11%. So this is a good deal to buy the Pitts and Ridley side. Now, if we if we change that over, if you were selling the Pitts and Ridley side, you would need a premium as the seller. I say generally what we see is you know 15 to 30% premium for the best player or asset side. That's generally what I've seen, generally what you recommend. Now you'd want to buy with you know 15%. You'd want to sell you know, by about 30% or even higher, you know, if you can manage it. And it depends how much of the best player or asset it is to even consider it. I've also said one rule in trading is what if you just consider not trading the best player or asset in the deal? That's a general rule. You get kind of go into every trade saying, I'm not going to do that. Then, you know, I think it keeps you out of some bad situations. So this is one where it's pretty clearly in that capacity, a nice buy for the Kyle Pitt side. It's minus 11%. You would need it minus 15, minus 20. Uh, I would consider that fair value if you're buying. And then if it's minus 30%, minus 35, 40%, that's where you get into, uh, that's a little pricey for me. Maybe I'm not going to do it if Debo Samuel, the best player in the deal on the other side, uh, is relatively close to pits or something of that regard. So that's one way, and that's the most basic and most straightforward way to look at a trade in the UTH trade calculator. Now, here's the other thing I wanted to point out is... When you look at ancillary aspects of the deal, because in this in this capacity, Devontae Williams has a much higher value percentage-wise or multiplier-wise versus Calvin Ridley. That's why, you know, Debo Samuel is below Kyle Pitts, but Javante Williams makes up the gap in raw value. Here's why that's dangerous. Because the secondary pieces in a deal are likely not going to make or break it. Uh, maybe if it's a huge deal, you know, you're talking total value in the 50s or 60s, you know, there's a massive piece, a big stud quarterback on each side, 
And then maybe it comes down to, well, this side has a first round pick. It has this upside wide receiver I really like. The other side has a running back that's a little older. You could definitely find scenarios in in trades like that where the secondary parts make and break and decide the deal or a two-way go. A two-way go is a really good example. Now, the, the, the case here, Javante Williams over Calvin Ridley, Here's the thing. They are roughly, like for example, Javante Williams is barely half the value of Debo Samuel. So he really shouldn't move the needle much at all. You should say it's Debo Samuel versus Kyle Pitts in this format. Who do I like? And don't let Javante Williams or Calvin Ridley or extraneous player or low-level pick XYZ, don't let that dictate and shifting you over from the premise and takeaway and way to analyze it. Number one, which is Best player, best asset, and what's the plus minus? Is it enough if I'm buying or selling? There you go. That's that's the the general road the the general roadmap to how to analyze these deals in the trade calculator. And then that secondary part, especially when they go diminutive, where you know we're talking Javante Williams's value is a six or a seven, Calvin Ridley is about a three or a four. So that's really low stakes when you're considering higher level guys in the deal. So don't let that, you know, you might have a preference. Oh, I really like Javante Williams. Or I like, eh, I like Ridley a little more than that. Well, who cares? Because the biggest assets in the deal, those are very replaceable from an asset uh, asset number perspective. In the trade calculator, in the population of dynasty assets, they're far more replaceable. Players like Debo Samuel, players like Kyle Pitts, are a little less replaceable. So when you look at the total deal, say, and this is the classic, you know, they're adding quarters to a deal that, you know, in relatively speaking, now it's not Mahomes, it's not Allen, you know, it's not uh, Sam Laporta in this format or whatever. But the point is, with Debo Samuel and Kyle Pitts in there, everything else is quarters. You know, the Javante Williams, you add uh, Calvin Ridley. You know, if you add other ancillary things, you know, you add Josh Palmer, uh, you know, you add Terrace Marshall. I'm just thinking of random guys that those don't really move the needle. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're looking to buy a new car and it's like you keep throwing dollar bills on the table. Like that's not going to move the needle for getting up to the number to buy the car. So keep that in mind, uh, especially when you have bigger players in the deal, the ancillary stuff, the the third player, the fourth player, you're adding 305, you're adding uh, a future fourth. Like none of this stuff really matters, even though it technically is adding numbers to the overall uh, the overall value for one side or the other. Um, so again, there you go. Uh, that's the trade of the week here, looking at it from the perspective of the UTH trade calculator. You can find this as a standalone purchase. If you'd like a membership, they, I offer one month, uh, three month and 12 month offerings. And I will say if you're three month or 12 month, you also have the benefit during that span if you're active to uh, request, and it's a perfect time of year for the next six months, you know, startup draft season. You get a custom startup draft draft board by request that's uh, customized to your format. It's ordered by ADP. Uh, by position. And it's a huge, especially if you have auction draft, uh, an auction startup, it is a huge boon to be able to request those at a moment's notice and a quick turnaround um, that I will make the custom board for you and deliver it uh, via um, Excel spreadsheet. And that'll be over in your email. Uh, So just a couple plugs there for what the trade calculator provides and the bonus of the startup draft boards as requested and applicable.
As it's NFL Combine Week, I wanted to go over a couple things that I think are overrated and underrated as we go through this week, uh, what to kind of let into your consciousness and what to not. You can certainly watch it, observe it, analyze it from any accord you want. Uh, But from my experience over the years, here are a few things that are underrated. There are aspects go a little more unnoticed um, when we, uh, but um, here are a few of the things to make sure that we, we touch base on this week. The first of all is the gauntlet drill. Uh, This is mainly just a check, uh, to check the box. This isn't to say you're going to move a guy graphically up the board at the pass catching positions, but when you run the gauntlet, uh, it does show with being able to track, locate, and the solidity of your hands. And the main thing, I would use it not as an eliminator, but someone that, especially if they already had uh, a questionable drop rate, uh, or maybe it's someone that's just middle of the road, they're not elite in drop rate, and you look at them, and they they have some drops, you know, and they are one that you slide them down just a little bit, you know, you you squint a little harder at that production score, uh, especially if they're not going to get elite pedigree. They might have been someone you could have considered, you know, from the mid rounds of the NFL draft or day two, or again, this is where you're just kind of breaking ties, you're making a note, and so I think the gauntlet drill is one that, I, again, most of most of the players uh, at tight end and at wide receiver are going to make this drill look easy. And again, you shouldn't really notice them. The guys that really struggle and, you know, when they run the drill a couple times, they have three, four drops total concerning, you know, concerning and go, as they say, go back to the tape or go back to the the metric and analytical profile of saying, are drops a problem for them? Because there's a lot of, I, I've talked more, a lot about how for those two positions, I look at, um, um, plus minus, which is your A dot minus your drop rate. And you need to be a positive number. Um, and sometimes by, you know, two or three, you know, that differential. So that's one thing. The other thing is we're finally going to get some complete athletic profiles with guys running 40 times uh, and getting it all in one place all at the same time. You don't really have the question marks when you're looking at combine versus combine where everyone wants to throw out, well, the pro day, you know, the pro day doesn't count because of X, Y, Z. Um, I, my take, my my uh, cumulative annual take that I will mention about 40 times and, and workouts and pro day versus combine. And it's less so about, this is the fast track. It's less so about um, any of those nuanced um, things that you will hear. For me, the pro day and why players generally do better at the pro day and why if I was someone, you know, that especially if I had some concern about how I'm going to work out, that I would work out at the pro day. I would work out at the pro day uh, many times, you know, if I if I felt I underachieved at all at the um, at the combine for this reason. Number one, NFL combine week is stressful. You are away from home. You are at a new facility. You're getting little sleep. You're under big time stress. Uh, these interviews, you're being poked and prodded uh, with some medical checks and exams. And you, you put all that over a three to four day span or whatever it is for each position group, that's a lot of stress. A lot of stress is your, your most critical interview and you're doing psychological stuff. You're doing uh, uh, coordinations and building relationships with teams. You're trying to be on your you know P's and Q's and everything. Your scout's telling you all these coaches for how to do interviews and all this. You're being stretched mentally and physically in a variety of ways. How can you possibly expect to be at your absolute apex for physical and athletic performance under those conditions? And I would say you're not. So if you perform well at the combine, great on you, five gold stars. But if you perform poorly and then you recheck at the pro day and it's better, I take the pro day. 
Because think about this. So if I tell you, you're going to travel halfway across the country and we're going to do all of that, we're going to poke and prod you and x-rays and twisting your knee. And then I'm going to give you all these interviews. You're going to get up early. You're going to go, go to bed late. You're going to do all this stuff. And then you're going to test. And, and I say, are you going to do better there? Or I'm going to give you a few extra weeks to train. You're going to have, it's going to be where you're comfortable, where you've practiced for largely your whole collegiate career, extra time to train at your home facility. You know what time you can set the schedule a little more. Uh, it's going to be later in the day. Uh, it's going to be, you know, not something where you're getting up at five in the morning uh, and you're under all this stress, a lot more casual home cooking, so to speak. And I, I bet you do better. So that's where the difference lies. It's not that you're a different player. It's not that it's none of that. So again, we'll get complete athletic profiles, but don't discount the pro day. Uh, so I think that's underrated. And the other part is running back receiving drills. Ray Benson is one that I think, you know, he has, a, he has of the notable running back prospects this year, he has the lowest receiving score. I want to see how he catches the ball. Uh, wheel routes, you know, away from his hands. Because if a running back isn't going to be prominent in the passing game, it's going to be pretty tough for them to reach a big time ceiling because you're taking that upside number uh, in the passing game down quite a bit. So those things I think are underrated about the NFL combine. Uh, and again, I think it's applicably uh, uh, rated. You know, it, it's, it's, it's accurate when you look at things like running backs with their athletic testing, tight end is very important. Um, but shifting over to what's overrated, I think the wide receiver 40 times, uh, wide receiver testing in general is overrated. Uh, production score is paramount. A lot of those aspects I've talked about eliminating the suck. I've got a lot of research this off season with eliminating the suck and various filters for improving our hit rates uh, for fa finding fantasy starters. And it doesn't include anything athletically. <laughs> so uh, we really, I'm not going to say we don't need it. You'd rather have a guy with a good three cone, you know, or a fast 40, but they put up the chart every year of fastest 40 times at, at wide receiver. And it pretty much doesn't mean anything. And if anything, you look, and those are guys that moved up the draft board and went higher and they didn't have production or it didn't really help. That athletic testing did not help them in the NFL. Uh, because guess what? The positional, uh, what I always say is the Cooper Cups of the world, the guys that don't have a high athleticism score, but have a strong production score. What does it mean? They're actually good at playing the position, but despite running four fives or four sixes, um, you know, or maybe not having the best vertical or any of these things, they can actually play the position of wide receiver well. And despite not running super fast, despite not having the best swivel, they know how to get open. They have strong hands and they have been highly productive, which is actually a feather in their cap. And when they get pedigree, like a Cooper Cup or some of these options, uh, you know, despite not uh, an elite athletic profile, that should give you even more confidence. And then the flip side is, which is some guy that burns burns the combine, they have like a 95% athleticism score, and then you go back, or you already knew that they had a low production score. What does that say? Well, so if you're so fast, so athletic, can jump out of the gym, uh, all these things, and yet you still couldn't produce at a lower level of competition in college, what does that say? It means you don't know what you're doing. You're out there like a chicken with your head cut off. You don't know how to play college wide receiver, let alone NFL wide receiver, because you didn't produce beyond your peers. It means even when the situations when you were 21, 22 years old in college, and you were going up against 18, 19 year olds in some situations, you did not produce enough to log a quality athlete, uh, production score. That's what that means. So wide receiver 40 times, uh, and I, I'm sure we're gonna have some good ones this year. 
largely, they're overrated. And I'm going to say largely, throw them out. They're in the wide receiver model for UTH. Don't worry about that. But it's just not as much as you think it is. Next one is quarterbacks throwing. Uh, They are largely camp arms in this capacity. Uh, If you want to see a guy throw it far, you know, the Josh Allens of the world showing off. Sure, we can look at that. But this is you're throwing to a spot. You're throwing to new wide receivers. It's in a sterile environment. And you're basically, again, facilitating drills for wide receivers and tight ends, I would say, more than looking at the quarterbacks and isolating them throwing the ball. So I, I don't think there's a lot to glean. And if Michael Penix has a bad day, you need to go back to the passing score in the UTH model. Not you know, and, and what he did in college, not so much. He had a bad week uh, in, in at the combine. And likewise, you know, someone that looks like they have a live arm, and and they quote unquote throw well, or they're a riser in the combine for how they threw. I would say largely throw that out. And then finally, what's overrated? Generally, running back drills. Uh, I mentioned running back receiving drills. There's some value in that, but I would say the rushing drills, where they're moving the moving the uh, the pad pads, and you're uh, high stepping over over some of these uh, padded barriers, uh, and the vision of you know go this way. Now I go this way. Uh, I I think all that is very overcooked. It's nice for TV. We can sit there and we can watch 30 players in a row, but I don't think there's a lot of value in this um, because like a Jerry Rice, like some of these other players, and especially at running back, uh, I, I remember when you know watching senior bowl practices, it is very tough to come away with much from the running back position just because so much of it is you need to have the danger or the reality of contact in, in these runs, like breaking a tackle when it's like wrap, wrap and hug uh, type drills, you know, or it's basically versus air in at the combine and some of these practice sessions, it is very tough to discern that how that carry o- carries over to an actual padded environment of tackle to the ground football uh, at the running back position. So the, those are easily some of the most overrated aspects of the NFL combine. So just to reiterate, we have underrated, we have the gauntlet drill, we have uh, the having completed all-in-one spot athletic profiles, and we have the running back receiving drills. What's overrated? We have wide receiver 40 times. We have the quarterbacks in general throwing versus not throwing or throwing well versus not throwing well. And then we have the running back rushing drills at the combine overarchingly so. That'll do it this week for the free UTH Weekly podcast. Uh, Tim Torch will be back next week uh, for the weekly show. And stay tuned on the premium podcast channel at UTH because there's going to be a deluge of content looking at uh, what impressed, uh, what was depressing there from the NFL Combine later in this week. And NFL Combine triggers is really the start of the uh, offseason because we're not too far away from NFL free agency. Uh, we're going to get some scrubbed comps, uh, especially at running back, at tight end, when we get final uh, final weights and athletic measures and all that. A little bit of tweaks here at wide receiver, depending on their size perspective. Um, but uh, what an exciting time to scrub those comps and really get now into uh, final comps. I, I'm going to start doing the UTH rookie draft guide, which I haven't mentioned it yet. Um, but basically, the the pre-draft version. I've been doing it for five plus years now. The pre-draft version comes out uh, right around early April, and then the post-draft version is out by the end of NFL draft weekend. And the only way to get that, I used to sell it. Uh, it used to be twenty-five plus dollars for a copy. Well, now it's actually on sale. It's a super sale uh, the last year or two because what you have to do is all you have to do is sign up as a VIP uh, tier, which is all pro, over at Patreon.com/uth and be an active member over there. You're going to get the pre-draft, the post-draft uh, by signing up over the next couple of months here. 
And so sign up, be active uh, when I put that out for uh, over the next month. And what you get, uh, again, is you get the free copy of the draft guide, things like the decision-making matrix, which is a huge power hammer uh, for navigating decisions in your rookie draft, historically speaking. You're going to get three different versions, uh, tight end premium with Superflex, Superflex alone, and then one quarterback, which you don't get all three of those if, you, if you're over at UTH Dynasty as a subscriber. Uh, you just get the one Superflex board and you get the, uh, the the tier adjustments with tight end premium, things like, and one quarterback. So you don't actually get it spelled out for you. Uh, and you get the full profiles on, on all these players. You get a lot of historical research. Um, also, you get things that stand out, uh, again, for, for high pedigree, low pedigree, uh, a threshold test, uh, as I'm calling it, uh, the wide receiver position, eliminate the suck, uh, which is looking at various thresholds, and it supercharges our outcomes. Uh, It looks at elite profiles versus non-elite profiles. And basically, you have to sift over at UTH Dynasty over the three plus months of the draft process to find, I would say, half to 65% of the information you're going to get in the draft guide, but you got to piece it all together yourself. You're going to get one document. It's usually around 40 pages. Uh, in addition to uh, the full profiles, like I mentioned, you're going to get the uh, something that good luck finding it anywhere else. You're going to get best case, worst case, and middle ground comps for every prospect uh, in one ID uh, comp matrix. So all that is yours. Patreon.com slash UTH. Sign up as an all pro subscriber or higher. You get access to the VIP chat. You get content over there as well. All of that plus the draft guide. So that's the place where you get it. And again, it's on sale. You're not going to be paying 25, 30 bucks. Uh, You can just sign up, uh, try out all the offerings at Patreon. That's what I want uh, is for you to try that out. And I will give you, give you the rookie draft guide this year. So have a great combine week. We'll be back with Tim next week for the summary and some big takeaway and macro thoughts here from combine week. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. 